You're listening to the preaching podcast of the Amazing Grace Baptist Church located in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where Dr. Jonathan Barker is the pastor. We pray that the following message will be a blessing to you. Numbers 21 this morning. Let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. And we'll give you a thought out of here. I appreciate everybody praying for Leslie and I this week. And um, she's doing some better and I'm a lot better. And um, they told me uh, the other day I had TMJ and I didn't need to talk. You know how hard that was? And uh, you say, did you quit talking? No, I just took extra hydroprofen. Um, anyway, Numbers 21, and uh, we'll look at a thought out of here this morning. Let's just pick up reading in verse number 4 for the sake of time. The Bible said this, And they, being Israel, uh, journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea uh, to, the comp- uh, to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged uh, because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against Israel. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. The Bible said in verse number 8, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a Paul, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, uh, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And I want to preach on this thought with the help of the Lord for a little while this morning, Israel's uh, salvation. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. You know the very need of this service, and I pray, God, that thy divine will would be done today. I pray, God, that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray, God, for a little while today that you'd help us to get our mind focused on you, God. I pray, God, that you'd give us clarity of thought, clarity of speech today. I pray, God, that you'd preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. Father, we thank you for the sweet Spirit of God that's already been manifested to us today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you continue to manifest yourself to us. Save that sinner closest to hell in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. When we come to this passage of Scripture, we know that Israel has begun their journey journey uh, from Egypt's land uh, on into Canaan's land. We also know that in studying this that God did not allow Moses to lead them into Israel, uh, but God allowed Joshua to do that. I preached not long ago on missing God's best for our life when God took Moses upon the mountain and showed him all of Canaan's land and what he could have had uh, if he'd only done exactly what God said do. 
And I'll just say this in passing this morning. I don't want to miss uh, God's best for my life. And uh, Moses did. And then Joshua uh, took the children of Israel into Canaan's land. I'll just say this to you in passing this morning. Uh, Joshua was the minister to Moses. In other words, Joshua, if you want to say it this way, was the assistant pastor uh, of the First Baptist Church of Israel. He was the one that assisted Moses. And uh, the one that a lot of times uh, uh, was on the backside, nobody saw much of. Uh, but when Moses went off the scene, God used Joshua to take the nation of Israel to a level that they had never been to uh, in living in Canaan's land. I'll say this in passing, then I'll get to where I'm going. Uh, young preachers, hear me today. If you'll just be obedient and do what God has you to do right now, uh, they may be a day that God allows you uh, uh, to lead a group to a level that they've never been to before simply because uh, you was faithful to your man of God uh, and you was faithful to your church and we see that in the life of Joshua. But here today Moses now has brought them here and God let me say it this way, God uh, has uh, led them to this point. It wasn't just Moses but God uh, was leading the way. The children of Israel get upset, they begin to murmur uh, matter of fact they journey from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And whenever you study this out, the Bible said in verse number 4, the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. They was much discouraged because of the way. And there is times along this way that we do get discouraged. There is times that we're almost at the point of facing defeat, it seems. But... I sure am glad that God is always there to help us. Hear me and hear me well. It is not a sin to be discouraged, but it is a sin to do what the children of Israel did in verse number 5. And the people spake against the Lord. They got discouraged and instead of speaking against Moses as they had in times past, now the people began to speak out against the Lord. And hear me this morning, you better be real careful uh, when it comes to speaking out against the Lord. There's nothing wrong with having a conversation with God. Uh, there's nothing wrong in even saying, my God, my God, uh, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, but it is wrong when we falsely accuse God uh, and we speak against God. Nothing wrong with talking with God, uh, but the children of Israel was not just talking with God. The children of Israel now had begun to murmur against God. And every time we murmur against God, chastisement will come in our life. And you see that here this morning. Matter of fact, whenever they begin to complain, in verse number 5, they complain that God and Moses brought them out of Egypt just to have them die in the wilderness uh, 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 with a lack of food and water. They complain about the manna. God was sending them. God was sending them something they needed. God was sending them exactly what they needed. And hear me, they began to complain about that. But it calls, I'd say it this way probably, Probably because uh, it wasn't exactly what they wanted. We may not get what we want, but God will uh, always give us what we need. They began to murmur against that. I read this this week studying. 
A mathematician has calculated that it would have taken 240 boxcar loads of manna every day. 240 boxcar loads of manna every day to feed Israel. 240. Yet every day they woke up. Are you hearing me preach? Every day they woke up, the hand of God met the need that they had. Every day God provided for them. And what did they do? They began to murmur. They began to complain. They began to be upset. And show, let me show you a couple of things by way of introduction this morning. I see in verse number 4 and 5, there is Israel's sin. There is Israel's sin. What was that sin? They murmured against the Lord. They spake against God. Not just God's man. And I want you to hear me right here. When you speak against God's man, you speak against God. I'm going to say it again. When you speak against God's man, you speak against God. You say, well, I don't agree with everything with a preacher. Well, you better just keep your opinion to yourself. If he's... If he's preaching out of a King James Bible and he's doing what's right, you better keep your opinion to yourself. Because when you speak against God, don't die on me, I'll preach to one o'clock today. When you speak out against God's man, you speak out against God and the chastening hand of God will come in your life. And we see that right here. The Israel sin. They spoke out against God. I thought about this in verse number 6 because of Israel's sin. There was Israel's sentence. The Bible sent fiery serpents unto them. Israel's sentence. Because of Israel's rebellion, God sends judgment upon them in the form of a serpent. Let me read you something right here. I was studying this. That, that serpent, that day and, 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 and about it, here's what... The research on that serpent shows it, its injection of venom uh, uh, initiates a fiery pain at the side of the bite. There's swelling uh, that begins right away. It says that there's the dislocation at the side of the bite varies from white or discoloration from white to a flaming reds and purples and dark blue. Victims would experience nausea, vomiting, excruciating stomach pains and crampings. Victims begin to experience extreme thirst. The liver and the kidneys are damaged from filtering toxin results in extreme, in extreme pain. As they go through it, hemorrhaging occurs in the form of nosebleeds or bleeding from the mouth and the eyes. The viper's venom is a hemotoxin. It destroys blood cells and causes bleeding where, uh, uh, it causes bleedings in enclosed surfaces. And it says this, a person usually bleeds to death internally from this. Here's what it said. It said quick deaths from a viper's bite are unusual. Generally, they suffer for prolonged days before they die. And I began thinking about that. Here's what I thought about Proverbs 13, 15. The way of the transgressor is hard. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. They sinned against God. And because of that, God put a sentence on their life and judged them with fiery serpent. Could you imagine walking around in Israel, Brother Andy, at this time? Could you imagine? 
Could you imagine as a little boy comes running by, blood's running out of his eyes and his ears, and he's screaming out in pain? That's where they're at. That's where, why? Because of their rebellion. I see Israel's sentence, but I see Israel's sorrow. Verse number 7, look at this. Now I'm headed somewhere, when I get there, I'm not going to be there long and we'll go home. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. Or in verse number 7, their sorrow, here's what he said. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. The people come to Moses and said, We have sinned. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. They came to a place of confession. They came to a place where they said, we've done wrong. They came to a place where they said, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. Are you hearing me preach this morning? You're wondering why your way is still that of sorrow. You're wondering why there's no peace, there's no comfort, there's no happiness. Maybe it's because there is a sin in your life and God has sentenced you to that until you get to the place of sorrow. To the place of sorrow. I read this this week and here's what it said. There was conviction, confession, and contrition. These three steps always work together. In conviction, you acknowledge you have done wrong to yourself. In confession, you admit you have done wrong to others. In contrition, you accept that you have done wrong before God. Then and only then is the Lord ready to accomplish His work of salvation in a lost soul. You can't continue living in sin and say, Oh, I'm going to get saved, but I'm going to keep going this way. No, it don't work that way. There was Israel's sorrow. Once they sinned, the sentence of sin came on their life. They got sorrowful for what they done. And once they got sorrowful and repented before God, there was Israel's salvation. You see, God didn't leave them in that mess. God didn't put that sentence on their life for them to die under that sentence. No, 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 no. God said, hey, look, the sentence may have come upon you. Oh, but because you're sorry and because you've confessed to me, how, oh yeah, I'll make a way out for you. I'll make a way of salvation. Look what he said in verse number 8. He said, and the Lord spake unto Moses. It was his idea, it wasn't Moses's. Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bidden, when he looketh upon it, shall live. When he looketh upon it, shall live. In other words, all he had to do was look and live. All he had to do was look and live. Oh yeah, hear me and hear me well tonight. Or this morning all you have to do to be saved is look to Calvary. Be sorry for your sins and you can live. Let me show you two or three things. The cure for this serpent's problem is not a pill or a portion. A potion, the solution is a brass serpent raised upon a pole. There are some precious truths that we find in this. Matter of fact, when we go to our New Testament and begin to read our New Testament, the Bible says this. John chapter number 3, as he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
You see, this serpent on the pole is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a picture of what God done for us. Let me show you three things and we'll go home. Number one, this morning, I want you to see there is a picture of guilt. There is a picture of guilt. When you study this out, the serpent symbolized sin. Brass in the Bible is a symbol of judgment being lifted up upon a pole. Pictures of curse. For the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangeth upon the tree. Now whenever this, this serpent was lifted up, it was symbolizing a guilt. It was symbolizing the judgment of God had fell on that serpent so everybody else could be alright. As I studied that, I found this out. The cure for the serpent's problem took the form that, listen to this, the cure for the serpent problem took the form of what caused the problem to begin with. What caused the problem to begin with ended up being the cure. Well, yeah, I thought about this as I kept studying. It said it was a serpent that bit them, but it was a serpent that healed them. You say, preacher, what are you saying today? Here's what I'm saying to you. It wasn't I that was lifted up upon a tree. It wasn't you that was lifted up upon a tree in guilt today, but it was the darling lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ uh, that was lifted upon a tree uh, in your guilt and in my guilt. Here's what the Bible said. For He hath made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made uh, the righteousness of God uh, in Him. It's because of Him. It's because He uh, was placed... It's because He was placed on a tree uh, that you and I can live today. Oh yeah. You see, there was a picture of guilt. You see, the only thing they could find Jesus guilty of was loving you and me. But yet He still willingly lay His life down on an old rugged cross and was placed up in guilt so you and I don't have to live in guilt. Oh yeah, I see. There's the picture of guilt, number one. I told you when I got there I wasn't going to be there long, number two. There is the provision of God. There is the provision of God. You say, well, what is that? Know what he said in verse number 8. And the Lord said unto Moses. The Lord said unto Moses. You know what? Moses didn't wake up one morning. He can go, we in a mess. I think I'm going to go out here and I'm going to catch one of these snakes. You better be careful Messing with those snakes. There was one he couldn't mess with. You just have to know your Bible. He did pick one up off the ground and turn it into the rod after he threw his rod down and it turned into serpent. Moses didn't wake up one morning and go, you know what? I think I'm going to pick this serpent up. I'm going to wrap this serpent around a tree. And then I'm going to make it look like brass. And everybody that looks at it is going to live. Moses didn't do that. Let me tell you the reason why. Because Moses could. There's a lot of people today trying to take something. Amen. And work their salvation out of it. Amen. There's a bunch today that wears black pants and white shirts. And I'm not going to call no names because I do every once in a while. 
But they got a backpack and they run all over everywhere and they're trying their best to work their way into, cow, into heaven. There's a bunch today that thinks you got to get dunked in the water to ever make it to heaven. Hear me and hear me well. All they had to do was look and live. It was a picture of guilt, but it was a provision provided by God. Hey, it wasn't Moses' ideal. It wasn't Aaron's. It wasn't Joshua's. It wasn't Miriam's. It was nobody else in the nation of Israel. But when Israel... Oh, I just thought about when Israel couldn't pray for their self. They run to the man of God. What about that? They was just murmuring against Him. They was just running their mouth about Him. But now they run to Him and said, Moses, will you pray for us? And the man of God gets a hold of God and prays. And God says, here's what I'll do. It was all God's idea. Calvary was not human's idea. Calvary was not the Roman soldier's idea. You say, well, they was the ones that arrested him. Calvary was not Judas's idea. You say he's the one that betrayed him. No, all of that was simply fulfilling the prophecy of the Old Testament and what had been talked about in days gone by. And one day, by the way of a virgin, a man named Jesus was born into this world. And it was all God's provision to us. It was all God's provision to us. It was all God's provision to us. In Numbers 21, looking to a substitute provided by God saved them. Looking to our Savior Jesus Christ provided by God is what saves us. The only difference is in Numbers 21, we see a picture of the Lord Jesus. But in our day, we see the Lord Jesus. Oh yeah. Number one, this morning I see the picture of guilt. Number two, I see the provision of God. But number three, this morning, and I'll be done. I see the power of grace. I see the power of grace. Thank God for grace. Thank God for grace. Hallelujah for the grace of God today. Oh yeah, if you come in here this morning and you think you, you, you goody goody two shoes, that ain't helping you. But if you'll go back down memories lane to where you used to be and the life you used to live and the things you used to say and the things you used to do, there's none of us here today that deserves to be sitting in here. There's none of us today that deserves to be clothed in our right mind. Only thing we deserve today is to be burning in a place called hell. That's all we deserve. Oh, but is there anybody else today that remembers that that day when they got sorry for their sin and looked to a Savior and got saved and He bestowed His grace upon you. That grace that God gives. That grace that God gives. The power of grace. When Israel murmured, the serpent's bite was the answer. When Israel confessed, God's grace was the answer. Hallelujah. That come out of one of them books, brother. Taylor told me to buy, so he's worth every bit of it for that one statement. Here's what C.H. McIntosh said. He said, when Israel murmured, the serpent's bite was the answer. But when Israel confessed, man, I've been there, brother Josh. I've been there when I have murmured, and you can holler amen or old me. But I sure am glad, brother Jeff, when I confessed. 
The grace of God was the answer that He gave me. We didn't get what we deserved, we got grace. I thought about this in closing, it was infallible. Absolutely trustworthy or sure is what that word means. Everyone who looked lived. They just didn't feel better. They just didn't get well for... They lived. It was infallible. It was individual. Everyone that looked lived. Nobody else could look for anybody else. They had to do it themselves. Nobody else can save you today. You'll have to do it yourself. It was individual. I thought about this. It was instantaneous. It was... Amen. As soon as they looked, they lived. It was instantaneous. I've said this many times. I got saved July the 20th, 1994 at a youth camp at Turners Creek Baptist Church. And I was sitting about halfway back on the left-handed side. I got up and I went down, went to the adult men's prayer room in the back. And that's where I prayed. That's where I prayed. Do you want me to tell you where I think I got saved at? As soon as I stood up. Because at that moment, I was saying, Lord, I'm forsaking everything else. I'm about to get happy. I'm forsaking everything else. And I'm turning to you. And at that moment, instantaneously. I'll give the illustration about Brent. He had to work last night. He's at home laying in bed asleep. I would be too if I worked all night. But I'll give the illustration many times about Brent getting saved. I'll never forget that day he got saved. We prayed and prayed and prayed, didn't we, Miss Melissa? And he called me and he said, matter of fact, I was at the hospital that morning and you said, early that morning, somebody was having surgery. And you said, Brent said he might call you today. And before I left the hospital, he sent me a text and said, you want to meet at the Copper Pot for lunch? And I said, yeah boy, I'd be glad to. And we got there and we eat and I thought, you're not leaving without me saying something about it even if you don't. And he looked at me and he said, preacher, I just don't know if I'm saved. I said, I've got real good news. And I didn't say it this way, but what I was saying is if you'll just look, you'll live. Amen. Here's what he says. So, won't you bow your head right here and get saved? He said, Preacher, I'd rather do it at the church. He said, Can we go to the church and do it? And I said, Absolutely. But you want me to tell you, when I think Brent got saved, when he in that booth at the Copper Pot restaurant said within his heart, I'm giving you everything, Christ, it was instantaneously. Oh, yeah, but it was invaluable. It was invaluable. They couldn't buy it. Come start playing. They couldn't buy it. They they couldn't go down to the drugstore and get it. It was invaluable. It was simply a gift by God. I read this this week and I want to read it to you in closing today. The author started out this way. Let your imagination wander back with me. Can you hear the sobbing and the wailing all over the camp of Israel? Every family's been affected by the bites of those poisonous snakes. Eyes are red with weeping. Cheeks are blanched with fear. Lotions and potions have been applied. Herbs have been compounded. Medicines have been drunk. For people are dying by the hundreds and maybe even by the thousands. And still the people, young and old, perish. Everywhere you look, there are funerals and burials. Then all of a sudden, a shout splits the air like a knife cutting through butter. A cure! A cure! A cure! People who had been bit, people who were dying and now running in and out of the tent saying, Look and live! Look and live! Look and live! All you have to do 
is look and live. Soon by the hundreds and then by the thousands, fevered, pain-wrecked, expiring snake victims are evacuated from their tents to place where they can simply look and see that brass snake on that high pole. And everywhere, instantaneously, people are cured and people are saved. In one tent, a mother is being over, is been bending over the weak, feverish form of her dying son. She just buried his dad, and now she knows she's about to bury him. All of a sudden, a neighbor rushes into the tent and says, Your son does not have to die. There is a cure. The mother with wide, eye, awed eyes and amazement said, What do I need to do for any mother? would do anything to save their son. She said, all you have to do is simply pick up, pick him up, bring him out, get him to look at the brass serpent on the pole. The mother brings him out of the tent and she says, look, there it is. Maybe she lifts up her son's head. She pries open just one of his eyes and says, son, all you have to do is look and you'll live. That little boy looks and does, and does, he sees it. Yes, he sees it. The color comes back into his cheeks. The fever leaves his sweating brow. His headache stops. His limbs, limbs straighten out. His eyes open. He sits up. He stands up. He leaps. He shouts. He dances. Simply because today he looked and lived. Even though your situation might be desperate with God, it's never hopeless. Just look and live. Just look and live. That's all they had to do was look and live.